to see so many people that that I know and love. It's great to be uh, pinch hitting, Brother Tim. And for the best of you folks that are here, that that warms me. I'm sure they're not here to hear me, <laughs> but it also reminds me I've got a lot of studying to do tonight. I got to do another sermon for tomorrow. <laughs> I want you to turn with me to. First Samuel chapter 17, and we'll be there for just a moment. And you're probably all familiar with this chapter. Goliath, the Philistine, has set himself on one side, and the army of Israel is on the other side. And for 40 days, he's been coming out and challenging the men of Israel and the, the warriors of Israel who had gathered there. It says in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They had they had they were they were sunk in fear of this giant of the world. And David had three brothers who were there seeing Goliath, and his father, Jesse, sends David with some food, um, corn, loaves, and cheese. He says, I want you to go down to the camp to your brethren and carry these and, and see how they're doing. See how your brethren fare. It says, David rose up early, verse 20, in the morning, and he left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. And so David has gone down to, to see the battle. He's taken the, the goods that his father had sent him with. And Goliath comes out again. It says in verse 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. David begins to speak to the men of Israel. And in verse 28, his eldest brother heard him speaking to the men of Israel. And it, and, it, and it caused anger to rise up within his brother. It says that anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? This is verse 28. And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thy heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. I think you can see the jealousy and whatever it may be in, in these words. He doesn't know why his brother's there. He's, he's saying, why have you left just your few sheep to be here? You're, you're nothing. You're nobody. <laughs> now, this is a man who, at least for 40 days, had been among those who were scared and were sinking in fear. And David responds to him in verse 29 and says, what have I now done? And then he asks this question, is there not a cause? One of the greatest sermons I've ever heard preached, one of my favorite sermons, is a sermon by late elder Guy Hunt on this verse is there not a cause but what a great question for David to ask his brethren who were sinking in fear is there not is there not a cause and that's that's the question that I want to talk about today is there not a cause is there not something for us to do you know a cause is something that motivates you right a cause is something that you live your life to support and promote a cause. And so David says, is there not 
a cause? Is there not? He, David is asking his brother and, and those around, he's saying, is there not something bigger than us worth fighting for? <laughs> is, is there not a reason that we should fight? Is there not something that is bigger than us? And so David goes to Saul and he takes, uh, he, he takes charge and he goes to fight uh, this giant. And David knew that there was a cause. And, and so the Philistine comes out to David in verse 44, it says, Come to me, and I will give your flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. And, and, and then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, whom thou hast defied. David is answering, what was David's cause? It was, it was the name of the Lord. It was the cause of the Lord. It was the cause of God. David is saying, I have a cause. David was motivated by this cause. David was willing to support this cause. David was going to promote this cause. David was going to fight for this cause. And, and, and my message to you this morning is, is I truly believe this. Everybody needs a cause. Everybody needs a cause. You know, Sometimes I get in trouble at home. I'll say old people or young people. I don't, but I don't categorize what's old or young. You make, you, you make that decision, <laughs> right? But if you're older, you need a cause, right? You don't, you don't, need, you don't, you don't want to retire and, and spend your life watching the news during the day and the Braves at night and waste away to nothing, right? You need a cause. But more than that, young people need a cause, don't they? And I'm in that, I'm in that group. <laughs> Young people need a cause. Everybody needs a cause. We need something. We need something that will motivate us to get out of bed in the morning more than breakfast, right? right? I want something that I can live for. And I want something like David that I'd be willing to die for. We need a cause. I wrote these statistics down, so I'm going to read them so I don't, I don't misquote them, but it was from a Harvard study in, in the end of 2021 on Americans between the age of 18 and 29, okay? And here's what it found. 68% of the respondents said that they have little energy. Now that's 18 to 29, not 80 to 99, okay? 59% said they have trouble with sleep. 52 said they find little pleasure in doing anything. 49% said they have a poor appetite or they're overeating. 48% have trouble concentrating and 28% have said they've had thoughts of self-harm. These are adult, these are, these are children, what I would consider youth, maybe not children, but youth, young adults in America age 18 to 29. And, and it, is, it is evident that many young people in our society have very little direction or very little purpose in their life. And, and that is sad. Now, many of them from the time they were small have been taught that they came from nothing and they're going to nothing, right? Or they've been taught that, well, life's going to end in a few years. Anyway. We're all going to burn up from climate change and you're the cause of it. <laughs> they've been told that. Um, they, they're living in a world that is promoting the destruction of societal norms that have stood the test of time, right? That uh, whether it be with gender or with marriage. 
And on top of all that, this is the end of 2021, on top of all that, at this point, for two years, they'd been forced inside away from social interaction and, 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 and forced, probably most of them, to scroll on their phone all day long. And that just, that just sucks the life out of somebody. And so what I would say about those 68% that have little energy to do anything, are those who they, they have trouble concentrating on anything, you know what they need? A cause. That's what they need, a cause. And as Christians, we need a cause, and we don't have to wonder, what is my cause going to be? It's, it's simple for us. The cause is the cause of Christ. What we're doing here today, what hopefully we're doing every year. You know, you can have secondary causes. I've, I know people that have devoted a lot of time to the Humane Society. There's a, a pro-life center right down, the church, right down the road from our church, and I know people that have devoted a lot of time to that. Um, people that promote good things in this life. It's okay to have secondary causes, right, that you're devoted to, but none of those should take away from the primary cause, the main cause, or, or be incompatible with the main cause, which is the cause of Christ. I want to I go with you to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Um, this is the Apostle Paul. If there was ever a, a man that had a cause, that would be Paul, wouldn't it? He lived his life on purpose and for a cause. He says in verse 8 of Romans 1, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. He's praying without ceasing for the people of God, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as in me is. He's saying there's something within me that is motivating me, that is propelling me. I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He says, I have a cause, and it's the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have a cause that is promoting the kingdom of on earth. It's what motivates me to action. It's the thing that I, that I pursue and the thing that I promote in my life. And so I want to look today at how, how we can be committed to that cause. What, what are some ways, what are things that we have to do to be committed to that cause? And to do that, I, I want to look this morning and, and, and we'll look this afternoon probably um, for, for the time that we have at at Moses, okay, Moses, and what we can learn about fighting for the cause of God. Moses, you know, Moses, I've been studying Moses the last few weeks, and he's a central figure in the Old Testament, right? But um, his, his, I guess I've just never spent a lot of time studying his life. His life is amazing, and it's encouraging to me. He is a product of the providence of God, isn't he? <laughs> he should have been, there was an edict from the, the, the king or Pharaoh that all the, the boys should be killed, but yet 
through the providence of God, he lives and he's, and he's raised by Pharaoh's daughter in his own, in, in the palace. And he, and he should have been killed at birth, but he lives with Pharaoh. Think about that. And so then you think, well, he grew up in the, with, with Pharaoh. He should have been rich and famous and had everything he wants, but he ends up in the wilderness with the children of Israel. <laughs> I guess one thing that we can learn from that is you never know where life's going to take you, right? <laughs> you never know where life's going to take you. He didn't end up wealthy and royal. He ended up in the wilderness with the children of Israel. And he wasn't a perfect man, and we'll learn that probably this weekend. But he's a great example to us because he was a man that was committed to the cause. Committed, and that's the word, that's one word we want to focus on, committed to the cause. Um, my daughter was... Uh, I hate to say making fun. We were having fun with each other, and um, she was acting as if she was me preaching a few weeks ago. <laughs> and um, she kept saying, we live in a society that does this, this, this. And then she'd stop, and she'd say, in society does this, this. And I said, why do you keep saying that? She said, that's what you say all the time. <laughs> um, and um, so... We, we live among people that, that, <laughs> that lack commitment, okay? Um, I've been there. I can't tell you how many Sundays I've gorged myself at the table at Vestavia and thought, I'm going on a diet. I'm committing right now. And then I'll think, well, not right now. I'm going to go to Dairy Queen tonight, <laughs> and then tomorrow I'll be committed. We do. We live in a commitment crisis. Employers aren't committed to their employees, and employees aren't committed to their employer, <laughs> and husbands aren't committed to their wives, and wives aren't committed to their husbands, and uh, we, we lack commitment. So, so it can be hard for us to be committed to a cause. I want to... Turn your attention now to Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that we'll use the rest of the time, and I try to stand before you, and we'll begin in verse 23 and go through verse 28. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. And I'm not going to preach on that verse, but I'm going to tell you, we, we probably are living in a time where moms and dads better not be afraid of the king's commandment because it's going to affect your children. But I progress. Verse 24 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." 
Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. I want to take this passage of Scripture and, and look at what does it truly take to be committed to the cause of Christ, or to the cause of God. And, and I'll look at seven different uh, takeaways or gleanings from, from what we can see in the life of Moses. And the first thing I want you to notice is that if we're going to be committed to the cause of God, and I mean people that are committed, I mean people that are pillars in the church, right? Paul in the book of Galatians talked about those who seem to be pillars in the church. That's people that the church can rely on. I've heard Brother Ronald Lawrence say before, that's not pillows, P-I-L-L-O-W-S. It's pillars. Uh, people that the church can depend on. Don't you want to, I want to, I, I, my goal is to go to my grave being somebody that the church could depend on. May not be the most eloquent person in the world or the best looking person in the world or whatever it may be, but even if you don't have those skills, you can show up, right? That's one thing that takes zero talent. It's just showing up. Some people find that very difficult. <laughs> I got some people back home, don't tell them, some of y'all that are here. They come in, I know it's time to wrap up the sermon, you know, like, I better close. Um, just showing up. Um, but what does it take to be committed to the cause? First of all, if you read these verses, you're going to see it takes faith. Faith to be committed because unless you have faith, unless you utilize that faith, you will never stay committed to the cause of Christ. In verse 23, verse 24, verse 27, verse 28, it says, by faith, by faith, through faith, by faith. Showing that, 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 that Moses being committed to the cause of God was through faith. He was, first of all, he was using the faith that God had given him. It was by faith and through faith. Faith is a gift from God, right? Yeah. We're here today. Faith doesn't originate in the creature. It comes from outside the creature and God implants that within your soul, right? And within your heart. Faith is a gift of God, but, but it's also a lifeline for God's people once you have faith, right? Galatians 5 clearly shows us that faith is a fruit or a byproduct of the Spirit of God. So if you have faith today, that's because God gave you that faith, right? Amen. It's a gift of God. But it's a lifeline. It's, the, uh, it's, it's something that we cling to or we depend on. Uh, to, you know, a lifeline provides you a way of escape from a dangerous situation, right? And, and that is your faith. Faith, is, faith is, a, is a lifeline that God has given you to escape dangerous situations. <laughs> and as sheep amongst a world full of wolves, we're in a dangerous situation, aren't we? So we need faith. And you're not going to make it very far in your commitment to the cause of Christ unless you utilize your faith. I want to go to 2 Timothy for just a moment. 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to this minister, his son in the ministry. And it, and it seems as if in 2 Timothy that maybe Timothy has grown discouraged or, or, or there's some cowardice that has sunk in. And he, he says in verse 8, don't be ashamed 
of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And he goes on to, to verse 13 where he says this, hold fast the form of sound words. He says, Timothy, I want you to cling or cleave to the body of beliefs, the doctrine, the gospel, which you've heard of me, the things that I've been teaching you, right? The, the, the things that we hold dear as the church of God. He says, I want you to hold fast to those in a world that's trying to, 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 to get you to release those to other things. Hold fast to them. And then he says, in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. He says, he says Timothy, it's going to take faith. He's, he's urging Timothy to continue to be committed to the cause of Christ. And he says, you're going to have to utilize your faith in Christ to be committed to Christ. Your faith in Christ is what you use to stay committed to Christ. We read from Romans chapter 1 uh, just a little while ago, but we stopped in verse 15. In verse 16, he goes on to say, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Why, why should we be committed to the cause of, of God and the propagation of the gospel of Christ? Because that's the only message wherein the righteousness of God is revealed to God's people. Amen. Right? It's not revealed in, in any other message that the world has. It's only revealed through the gospel. He says therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. See, it takes faith to, it, it takes already having faith to ever be able to grasp the gospel message. And then he says, as it is written, the just shall live. It's their lifeline. You see that? The just shall live by faith. If we're going to be committed to the cause of Christ, we have to have faith. Because the thing about faith is faith allows you to see things that you can't see. <laughs> It allows you to believe in things that you can't see. It allows, and not just to hope for those things, but to actually see them. It allows you to see things that you cannot see. Back to our study passage in, in Hebrews 11 and verse 27, it says, By faith he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, how did he endure? As seeing him who is invisible. <laughs> He saw the one who is invisible. Paul, I believe it's 1 Timothy. Paul is recounting how that, that he was the pattern by which God is going to save sinners. And he breaks out in praise in verse 17. He says, now unto him, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He is in Visible. That means you can't, you can't see Him with your natural eyes. But when you latch on to faith, you see Him everywhere, right? How could you look outside today and say there's not a God? <laughs> if, 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 you could, if you could have seen me 20 years ago and see me today, you would say, that took God. And I'm still working on it. But I'm saying, and, so, and you're the same way, aren't you? Amen. Many of you are the same way. You can see God when you can see marriages restored and, and, and churches flourishing again and churches being established. You know what I say? I can see God in that. But it's through faith. It's only through faith. If you're not utilizing your faith, you no longer see God and you begin to slip away from your commitment to the cause 
of Christ. We need to be strengthening our faith. That's what the Word of God does and the preaching of the Word of God. It strengthens our faith. And that's why we need to be here. Because if you don't add to your faith, you know, virtue and, and those things that, that Peter lists, he says you can come to the point where you can even forget that you were even purged from your old sins. You can, you can lose your commitment to the cause of Christ is basically what Peter is saying. And that's not a place I want to be. All right, second thing. It's a personal choice. What I mean by that is it's something you have to decide for yourself, right? Now, before the world began, God made choice of the people whom he would save. But those people whom he has saved have to make a choice as to whether or not they're going to follow him in his cause, right? In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14, he's addressing the children of Israel. He says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Joshua says, but as for me and my house, he says, we will serve the Lord. First of all, Joshua says, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. And I love how he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'll say this to the dads and the fathers in the congregation tonight. If you will make the personal choice to devote your life to the cause of Christ, you'll be surprised that your house will follow. That's, the, what's the, what's the, one of the things that the church needs the most, or society needs the most, the world needs the most, are fathers who are committed to the cause of Christ. Amen. In Acts chapter 16, I won't turn there, but you have the Philippian jailer, and he says, how can I be saved? <laughs> he, he was in need of deliverance, wasn't he? Of course, they tell him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, you shall be saved and your house. <laughs> and we see that he's baptized, and all his were baptized straight away, his whole house. The statistics are staggering when you look at the difference between a, a mom or a child making a commitment to Christ and a dad and how many people follow after. So we need dads who are committed to the cause of Christ, but we need, we all of us have to make a personal choice to follow Christ. It's something that you choose for yourself. Jesus said that no man can serve two masters, didn't he? In, in, in Matthew chapter 6. He said you'll either, you know, you'll hate one or you'll love the other. Um, he said you'll, you know, you'll hold to one, you'll be committed to one, and you'll despise the other. And, and then he goes on to say you cannot, you cannot serve. That means you can't be submitted to and committed to God and mammon. Jesus says you can't do it. You can't say I'm going to sell out for the cause of Christ but I'm also going to sell out for my corporate job or my fame or my fortune or my hobbies or whatever it may be. You can have them. You can have other hobbies. You can have other causes, like I've already said, but they can't take preeminence over the cause. And really, they better go together like this or you don't need that cause, right? I was, I was 
the kids are having a good time on the way up here, and I feel bad for this. They were just being kids, and I said, y'all are making me nervous. I'm already nervous. i got to preach, you know. And uh, I think I said, I'm stressed out. <laughs> and, and I said, y'all got to understand, i got a lot going on. <laughs> I got a job. I got, I got to pastor a church. I said, I got to raise two kids. And on top of that, I got to keep up with my hobbies. And I get new hobbies every few weeks, right? <laughs> um, I said, I got a lot to do, guys. But look, if, uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been to three golf lessons over the last three weeks. I've never played golf before in my life. And... Um, that's a lot like the light. I'm telling you, there's a lot of lessons, and I don't know if many of y'all play golf. I need some help. <laughs> Last week, I was at my lesson, and I was hitting my seven iron, and he said, um, and I was doing pretty good, Brother Tim, and he said, the coach said, you, you may have to make a decision if you want to be a professional preacher or a professional golfer, because you can't do both on Sunday. <laughs> and I felt really good. And then I got my driver out. It wasn't 20 minutes later. I, 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 I golf and bat left-handed. He had just said that, and 20 minutes later, he said, are you sure you're left-handed? <laughs> uh, serious. That's kind of the Christian life, though, isn't it? It's, it's, it's highs and lows. But whatever it is, and it's, it's fine to have hobbies, and it's fine to have interests. And like I said, I'm doing that. But if that takes away from, if I say, Brother Tim, I can't pinch hit for you because I've got to go play golf or I've got to go hunting or I've got to go to whatever it may be, then I'm making the personal choice that that is my cause. I've heard Brother Luke Hagler, he's here today, I love Brother Luke, say that, that, that church should be your excuse for missing other things. <laughs> other things shouldn't be your excuse for missing church. Um, so we've got to make our own personal commitment to follow God and to the cause of Christ. In verse 24 of our study passage, it says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, when he had matured, he's making his own decisions. He says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was going to be committed to the cause. It wasn't something that his mom or his dad, or those that were telling him what he should be were going to decide for him. When, when Stephen is recounting the life of Moses, he says when it came into his heart to go visit his brethren. And so if it's come into your heart, if you're here today, and it's come into your heart to be associated with your brethren in the church of God, make the decision today. I'm sure Brother Tim would love to baptize somebody today or tomorrow. <laughs> That'd be a good way to end a meeting, isn't it? Amen. And if it's come into your heart like it came into Moses' heart, then you go and do that. The last thing I'll look at this morning, and we'll, we'll look at, at this, Lord willing, again this afternoon. We're going to be committed to the cause of Christ. It takes separation from the world around us. Uh, you've, you've, you've heard the saying, and it's biblical, I think, to be in the world, but not of the world. You know, Paul would make the statement that we can't just fully escape the world, right? We're going to be in it. But we're in it, but we're not of it. That means we're in it, but we don't act like it. We're in it, but we're not drawn to its 
uh, you know, flashy lights and the things that, that it would promote. And make no mistake about it, the, the world has its gospel, right? It's got a lot of them. See, Satan doesn't care which one he can, he can get you with, he can bait you with, he can hook you with. So he throws out, there's, there's one message that will reveal the righteousness of God, and there's millions of messages that will take you away from the righteousness of God. He doesn't care which one. Which one gets you? He just wants one of them to get you, right? The world just wants one of them to get you. And in the book of Romans, chapter 12, the Apostle Paul addresses this. He says to the church at Rome, he says, I beseech you, Romans 12.1, I beseech you, I am begging you, I'm calling on you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He invokes the mercies and the grace of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know what, I, what he's basically saying there? Is I'm calling upon you, church, to commit your life to the cause of Christ. <laughs> and then he says, it's reasonable for you to do that. <laughs> and, if you, and, if, and, if, and if you can understand the mercies and the grace of God, then you would have to admit, knowing who you are, who God is, what you've done, what God's done for you, you would have to admit it is my reasonable service. It is a reasonable act of worship for me to commit everything to Him. And so He tells them to do that, and He says, and be not conformed. The first thing He says after that, calling on them to commit their lives to Christ, He says, and be not conformed to this world. He says, don't be molded to this world. Don't that to conform something is to, to make it to resemble something else, right? And so, I mean, honestly, I know I sound like an old preacher, but from the, from, from the way we dress to the way we talk to the things we read to the way we spend our time, you don't want to do things that resemble the world around you if you're going to be committed to the cause of Christ. He says, don't be, don't be fashioned into the image of something else. You, know, you read in Romans chapter 8 that we're being, we are being conformed back into the image of Christ through the new birth and at glorification we will, we will, we will see the, the full understanding of that. You know, we were, man was created in the image of God. Now man has a marred image of God because of the, the sin of Adam, but we're being conformed back into the image of God and then the whole time the world's trying to conform you into its image. And so Paul says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And in verse 24, once again in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That, by the way, that was not who Moses was. <laughs> he was not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The world for 40 years had told him, you're the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The world had, had, had he had been raised among the Egyptians. He had been raised in, in their paganism. He had been raised with their worldview. But when he came to himself, when it entered into his heart, when he was come to years, he said, 
I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And I'd say to the people here today and to me, we need to, re we need to refuse to be called something that we're not, right? right? We need to refuse to be something that we are not. Don't be something that you are. I'm telling you, trying to be something that you aren't is exhausting, isn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> is exhausting. I, I, tell, I tell our church at Vestavia all the time, don't act like you've got it all together. Jesus died on a cross. He outed you 2,000 years ago. He wouldn't have come if you had it all together. Amen. You don't have to act like you do because we have a God who has it all together. Amen. And don't, don't act like you're, you, you know, don't act like you're part of the world when you're part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Listen, listen I wanna, I'll close with this. John chapter 1, it says, He was in the world, verse 10, speaking of Jesus, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. These are, these are men and women like you and me who have been born again through the, through, the, through the Spirit of God, through the command of God. And he says to them that out of that number that would been, had been born of God, as many out of that number that received Him and embraced Him and followed Him, to them gave He power. He gave them authority to do something. And what was it? Now we know that they were already His children through the new birth, right? But He gave them the power or the authority to become the sons of God. Even He's going he's to clarify even further who they were. To them that believe on His name. To those who hold dear to His name. I believe that's to those who were committed to His cause. What, what did He say He gave them? He gave them power to become the sons of God. What does that mean, Brother Josh? He gave them power to manifest themselves to the world around them as God's children. Amen. Not Pharaoh's children. Do you right. see that? Right. In, um, one, of, one of the definitions of that word to become is to, is to appear in history or like, a, like an actor that steps upon right. a stage <laughs> playing a role, right? God has given us the power or the authority when we receive and when we believe and when we use that faith that He has given us, He's given us the power to step onto the stage of world history right here, right now, where you are. As, 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 as not what the world says you are, but as what God says you are. A, a son and a daughter of God. And, and, and maybe you say, well, I have gone too long in my life. I don't, I, don't, I don't belong in part of that kingdom. I don't belong to be in that church. If you've ever felt like you don't belong, you're not worthy, you are the exact type of person that belongs. But you say, you know what? I've been in the world so long, there's no way I could be committed to something else. That's not even possible. Listen to verse 27. It says, by faith, he forsook Egypt. You know what that is? He left Egypt behind. Egypt is a type of the world, right? And it says, by faith, when he decided he wanted to be committed, he left all that behind. And it's never too late 
to leave all that behind, is it? I appreciate your attention.